behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Now, Jamie Dupree with the latest breaking news from our nation's capital. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington, D.C., and we've got him, Jamie Dupree. Before we start, we got to send out our condolences to the Reagan family, and that means we've known Michael for many, many years, and uh, everybody, she was an incredible first lady. Did you cover her over those years? I'll tell you a great story, actually, Sean. How you doing? Um, I was uh, in the in the Rose Garden doing a Reagan event. I want to say it was '86, and uh, the president he he lined he lined himself up in the Rose Garden a little differently than President Obama does and and George W. Bush did. So he was turned around where uh, we were looking more toward the Washington Monument. And he said he apologized to the crowd and he said, "I'm sorry, Nancy is not feeling well. She can't be here today." And he looked up on cue to the White House residents, and there at the window. At the proper point was Nancy Reagan waving the paw of their little dog down at the crowd, which, of course, melted, you know, immediately and broke into applause. So, yeah, I, I remember her not only from uh, stuff like that, but obviously the Just Say No to Drugs campaign. And, and certainly she was a, a very strong influence on the president. You know, I, I just hate death. My dog died this weekend. And you think about getting old and people that you've lost. It's like the 20th. This month is the 20th year since I lost my father. It's just in the 17th since I lost my mother. It's just March is not a good month. I don't know what it is about March. I, I guess if I had to guess, I'm going to die in March. Better be careful. The, maybe Jeez. the Ides of March. You know? Maybe. Never I don't know. John. Well, we had a, a, this is my summary of, of the weekend. It seems like Ted Cruz is surging some. He had a good weekend, especially in, in terms of the delegate count. I would argue he's on a little bit of a roll. Uh, Ted Cruz, uh, Donald Trump, I think, has slowed a little bit, especially when you compare in Louisiana early voting versus, you know, last minute deciders. It was much, much yep. closer with last minute deciders. Uh, I would say that Rubio, there's no other way to really put it. He had a disastrous, you know, he's kind of on life support now, although he's putting all his marbles and all his uh, hope in Florida. But and he has a lot of establishment money, but he has to win Florida or he's not. There's no path. Yep. No, no, you're absolutely right. And then uh, don't forget Kasich Uh, here in Michigan. uh, There is there are several new polls that are indicating a really uh, big move by Kasich. There's even polling that shows him ahead. I'm not sure that I'm willing to go that far. Well, there was one poll last week that showed him up by two. But since then, I'm looking at the polls from this weekend. You had the NBC Wall Street Journal that had Trump plus 17. You had that was taken before the debate. Right. The CBS uh, YouGov poll. CBS News. That was before the debate. Well, it was released Sunday. I understand, but it was uh, but those were taken before the debate. The ARG poll was after, and I didn't really want to put much stock in it. But the so ARG poll was re- out today. Yeah, the ARG poll was released on Saturday. The NBC CBS polls were released on Sunday. I agree, but they were taken. Uh, the, the The latter two were taken before the debate in Detroit, and there was new Monmouth polling out today, and some other polling as well that definitely showed a much different race Wednesday, Thursday than Saturday, Sunday. Now, I don't know what exactly it was, but something has changed, whether it's just people late deciding or whether it's people that Trump did something that they didn't like or Kasich. I didn't really think he did anything that set himself apart or anything. What did those polls have? Uh, What was the outcome of those polls? uh, Well, the Monmouth before and after showed Trump with a very strong lead, and then it showed Trump going down like nine, still in the lead, mind you. But uh, Kasich jumping up, I think, 12 and Cruz jumping up about seven. Uh, so that they were in, within about six, seven points, you know, all, all three of them. Now, again, I, I don't want to you know, get into the numbers or anything, but just from Kasich's events that I saw yesterday in Toledo and then today in the Detroit area, it's clear to me that there are a lot of people interested in him. Uh, the first person I interviewed at his event today in Gross Point Woods was 
a guy who had been undecided. He was simply, he told me he'd been waiting to see the field winnowed, and that it just seemed to him that Kasich was the only adult in the room. It was a line that he used a few times, and he liked the fact that Kasich wasn't fighting up on the stage with Trump. So I don't know if there was something that sort of snapped in some people's minds that came about because of the debate on Thursday. Something changed this weekend. Well, John McLaughlin has a theory on this. He thinks that on too many on a couple of issues during the debate, the H-1B visas, for example, uh, the issue of torture or, you know, Trump had always said that he would go beyond waterboarding and he clarified within the law, which I didn't think was a big flip flop, as was portrayed in the media in any way. But he thinks that the more that he he seemed to go to the center and not be a solid conservative heard him in the debate. He'll join us at this half hour. But that was his theory. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but obviously uh, this weekend I really thought Trump would win all four states on Saturday. And not to take anything away from Ted Cruz, I just thought Trump was in a really good position. And, you know, when you, when you break it down, as you mentioned, Cruz came out with the most delegates over the weekend, 39%. Then it was 30% for Trump, and I think it was 23% for Rubio, who only salvaged things by his Puerto Rico win. And, you know, it, I'm not, again, I don't want to jump too far ahead and say, oh, you know, Trump is going down or anything like that. But there's just a few things that make me wonder. And, again... When you get 30% like that for Trump, that's below the 50% that you need to really keep marching on. We'll see tomorrow what happens in, in Michigan and Mississippi. Well, I, would I have Trump Michigan here. Well. I have the, the Monmouth poll that you referred to here, and Trump is at 36 of likely voters in Michigan. Uh, Ted Cruz locks in at, at 23, Kasich 21, Rubio 13. But if you dig into the poll and dig further down, well, what are you looking the at? numbers... They dig the numbers from the second uh, the second part where they say that the numbers were much different, I think, uh, Saturday, Sunday than they were uh, Wednesday, Thursday. And again, I don't know that there's any real big move, but I just it to me, I sense that Kasich has got a little something going maybe in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got a little something going, frankly, in Ohio, too. Uh, that he feels really good about taking whatever momentum he can get here, whether it's a strong second or third or whatever, to go back to Ohio and do really well on March the 15th. Trump, in the last few minutes, has just issued a statement. I have not had the chance to see his ad, but he has just... A Marco Rubio a ad. ad. Yeah. He's going up against Rubio, and in the statement that Trump put out, he calls Rubio a total crook and goes after him on a number of things. I haven't seen what's exactly these in the are the These are the issues involving, I guess, the, a home that he purchased and it involves his time as Speaker of the House in Florida. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, well, another thing that was interesting about some polling out of Florida today, and I think it was also Monmouth, showed a really distinct advantage for Rubio in the early vote in Florida, which would come as some surprise because Trump usually dominates the early vote in recent uh, states and and not the other way around so there's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting stuff out there i don't i don't dispute you one bit that that rubio is struggling right now he is clearly if you look at his schedule i haven't seen it long term but it looks to me like he's only going to do events in florida all week is the way it seems to me the debate is in miami on thursday uh... which certainly is a home field advantage for him in in his effort to get out the vote and get people to vote and so we'll have to see. I mean, again, it, it all comes down to next Tuesday, not tomorrow, but a week from on the 15th. And if Casey can win in Ohio, he'll stay in. If Rubio wins in Florida, he'll stay in. And then we take, I think, a giant step towards something I don't think that I would ever believe that we'd do, which would be the contested convention. I still don't think we'll get to that point, but uh, the voters are certainly going to have a big say in that over the next eight days. Yeah, the real battles over delegates, That the most updated one I has was, was a little different from last hour, 
And Trump has 391, Cruz has 304, Rubio 154, Kasich 37. You know, Kasich's out there saying, oh, it would be so exciting to have a brokered convention. Why do I think that would be an unmitigated disaster? Well, it would be in his home state. And, you know, we go back to the old days of when he used to run the governor in the primary so he could be the favorite son and go to the convention with delegates to have a say. Uh, I, I think it would be in this age of, of social media, it would be crazy. It would absolutely be nutty. And we'd have a rumor an hour as to who the new favorite would be. You know, the delegate thing is really interesting because we had two good examples of how bizarre the delegate stuff can be this weekend. One was the Democrats. Bernie Sanders won three of four states this weekend. He won Maine, Nebraska, and Kansas. Now, he didn't have big margins in them, whereas Hillary Clinton only won in Louisiana, but she rang the bell so much that she ended up only netting a net loss of, I think it was one or two delegates for the whole weekend, even though she lost three states. Then you look also in Louisiana, where Cruz lost to Trump by four and a half points. Very little delegate Uh, difference. At none. They tied. Yeah. It was 18 to 18 the way the Louisiana GOP. And yep. the problem right now for Trump is that we have several states like that. There's only one tomorrow where you could win 50 percent plus and win the whole state. That's in Michigan. I don't think that Trump or anybody else is going to get to that. So it'll be proportional. So it'll be another muddle, I think, next week. And then we start getting into the March 15th, and and you you realize immediately how important the states of Ohio and Florida are, not only for Trump, but for the people who'd like to stop him as well. Well, and I I think certainly I agree with your analysis, and I think polls bear this out, is that Trump has a much better chance in Florida than he does in Ohio. Uh, One poll had him up in Ohio, but then it seems to be closing the gap. I agree John Kasich is, is really focusing in hard on the states that he wants to win. Now, he said to me when I interviewed him at CPAC that the only path to the nomination he sees for himself is through a brokered convention. That, well, that was I think a, at least he's being honest about that. Yeah, I'm, look, I give him credit for honesty, but I don't think that this would be a healthy thing because here's what I would assume going in at this point, that the delegate count leader is either going to be Trump or Cruz. And why do I believe that the establishment would try and screw both Trump and Cruz? If there is some type of battle now, if they do that and you don't like the term, this try to screw them. Okay, I'm just saying they would work so hard behind the scenes to prevent either one of them from getting the nomination. What they're doing is, is they're going against the the majority winner of votes. And if they work in their back, you know, back room, smoke filled environment, which I would expect, and they come out, oh, let's get a consensus candidate. We don't like these two. I think it's going to backfire, and I think then it's going to open the door for Hillary because the supporters of Trump and Cruz might stay home. No, um, I do think whoever, uh, if we ever, and I don't even want to spend time talking about it because I still think it's so far-fetched, but if we did get to that situation, I do agree with you. Whoever is 1-2 would have an advantage, and I think there'd be a lot of talk about simply making them the 1-2 the on the ticket and going from there. But it does it would introduce an element of uncertainty that would be unheralded in our modern political history, and really not since 76 when Reagan and Ford went to the convention, and Ford did not have a majority locked up by the time it started, we have not had a situation like that. So and Ford, and Ford won it in one round of voting, and he was leading. So the, I, I think you're going to have a different situation where the insurgent is leading. And that, that's well, going to... Realistically, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that nobody has been through this in a long, long time. I know Kasich was at that convention, I think, and I'm sure some other people were, too. 
but we really haven't had to deal with that. And the uh, the social media stresses of all that would be rather interesting. Now, overall, again, I'm not saying that I think Kasich is going to win in Michigan or anything, but just the polling makes me wonder what happened, what changed going into Saturday that that led to, I think, a surprise in, in the way that the results came out and the delegates came out. You know, maybe it's just a, a little downturn for Trump, and he jacks it right back up and wins this thing. And next Wednesday, you know, a week from Wednesday, we're talking about how he's on his way to the nomination. Or maybe we are going into a very uncertain period here for the Republican Party. No doubt. Now, Rule 40 has been discussed at length. And, you know, that that is where if, say, Trump or Cruz doesn't get to 1,237 delegates that are pledged to them, um, we know that, on, in other words, they don't win on the first ballot. Then it's wide open. And remember, there was an order for a candidate to be considered at an open convention. Didn't they have to win at least eight states? And aren't they going to do rule changes before the convention again? Uh, yes, and I, would, I thought that only applied on the first ballot. But forgive me for not being um, for totally familiar with those rules. And yes, see, part of the thing would be is that the battle wouldn't start on the convention Monday. It would start like the week before when the rules committees and others, and you'd have challenges about seating of delegates. I mean, for example, in Louisiana, there's some controversy about how the delegates were handed out this last week, uh, this on Saturday, that there's some people who think that Trump and Cruz deserve more and that Rubio should not have been awarded five by the party. So you could have the, the time leading up to the convention in that week or two before all sorts of challenges about seating delegates and more. I mean, it would be a real zoo. It would be fun to cover, but it would be a real zoo. Yeah, fun for you to cover, and then the election gets handed to Hillary. Good grief. That would be a disaster. All right, Jamie. Jamie Dupree, the most. Where are you going to be this week? Where are you uh, headed to? Uh, I'm going to head down. Uh, Florida will be at, uh, on the itinerary. I'm also going to then uh, head to Ohio and then bounce back to Florida before next Tuesday. So uh, Michigan, uh, Florida, Ohio, Florida looks like the itinerary for coming days. Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington, our man on the ground this election season. Thank you, sir.